Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOF PHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that he will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Are here today in this setting because we know if the gospel is going to reach the lost, it's going to require us to be faithful to ministry locally, but it's going to require us as well to do our part in sending laborers throughout the world. In fact, I think about what John Piper, who is a pastor, is in the Baptist movement, but he makes a statement that is so powerful. He see he said about missions. He said we either go send or disobey, that there's no other option. If we don't go to the lost, we need to do our part in sending others who can go, and that's what this emphasis is about today. As a, as a scriptural foundation, I want to turn your attention to the Gospel of John chapter 4. John chapter 4, I'm going to read a verse of Scripture Verse 35, I'm going to make references to other places in this chapter. John chapter 4, one of my favorite chapters in the, uh, in, the, in the Bible because of the record that it gives us concerning what happened there and how Jesus taught out of that. John chapter 4 is primarily, especially in the, in, in the first uh, two-thirds of that chapter, you might say, it's about the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you may have heard of the Samaritan woman. Anyone heard of the Samaritan woman? It's a beautiful story where Jesus winds up at that well and he has that dialogue with this woman and he speaks into the, into the tender places of her life and he points out her illicit relationships. This woman had been with several men She had gone from man to man to man to man. And he does that not to judge her, but to get her to the place. You know, you can't get get anybody saved until you get them lost. You know what I'm saying? Some people think they're all right. So sometimes we've got to point some, sometimes the preacher's got to preach some hard truth so that people understand they've got to do something about it. Jesus pointed out the need in her life. But then he did that so that he could transform her life. And before I talk about the responsibility of Christians in supporting world missions, let me just take a moment and pull from that fact, uh, that uh, aspect of the story and remind you that no matter where you look, uh, listen, this woman looked and she was looking for fulfillment in one man after the other. But until she met the man, that is the man, Christ Jesus, she was unsatisfied and unfulfilled. Let me tell you, friend, you can look in that one. You can look at to that one. You can go in that lifestyle. You can, you can pursue that habit. And, and there's people all over this world who are looking for love in all the wrong places. But until you meet the man, Christ Jesus, you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be fulfilled. May I, before I talk about missions, just do a little bit of missions and introduce you to the man, Christ Jesus, who can change your life and save your soul. Hallelujah. And if that's not happened, if that's not happened, before you leave this house today, 
Would you let God just introduce you to his son through the work of the Holy Spirit and you receive him as Lord and Savior? Anybody grateful that one day you met the man, the man Christ Jesus, hallelujah. And there's a lot of folks, in fact, as you heard, Pastor J.D. Greer, who pastors in, actually pastors in the Raleigh-Durham area, the Summit Church. He's president now of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's one of them bad Pentecostals, though, I would say. But anyway, as he said, some over 2 billion people have never heard of Jesus. It's not that they've rejected. They've never had the opportunity to choose whether or not to follow him. It's so important that we be all in for missions. And the way it has stirred in me in several opportunities where I've had to emphasize this comes out of John chapter 4, verse 35. Some time ago, I was reading this story again, and I've read it probably dozens of times in reading through the Scriptures. In the King James in verse 35, Jesus says to his disciples, and I'm going to refer to the version that's on the screen, but he says, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. But some time ago, recently, I read that verse, as you see in the version there. That's the New Living Translation, and and it's that phrase where, and in fact, that's a little translation there in the King James, lift up your eyes. That's literally what's being said there. But we don't use that phrase much in our vernacular, but the way it was translated or is translated there where he says, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. It just got into me. The Lord began and stirring in me. And, and I'm not just preaching to you a missions sermon today. I'm talking to you out of my heart. God constantly, constantly challenges me in this area. And that is to be awake, to wake up, to wake up. And I believe he's wanting me to share that with you, exhort you to wake up. Somebody say wake up. And by the way, if you see anybody drifting off while I'm preaching, you may do that again to somebody. Probably a good phrase to use right here before 12 o'clock on Sunday morning. <laughs> Wake up to the harvest. Father, by your spirit, anoint me, help me. I can't preach like I ought to without your help. Use me today and touch minds and hearts as well to be receptive to the word, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. May it all bring glory unto you and accomplish your purpose and your will. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. 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 Wake up to the harvest. These disciples come up on that scene, talking about the Samaritan woman, and it's an unusual situation that they see there. The Lord talking to this woman and about the time that they arrived, they've been to town to buy some food. About the time that they arrived, she leaves. And they're just disconnected, disengaged as to what's going on. And so Jesus uses this opportunity to give them the admonition, which is speaks to us today because the Word of God is recorded for us to pull from for application today. 
And so what he says to them, he's saying to us, he's saying to me, that we're to wake up to the harvest. Because like it was with these disciples, it is possible to be asleep with eyes wide open. Now, don't look at anybody, but it is possible to be asleep with eyes wide open. I taught school for nine years, and I know when I graded test that there were some folks who were in my class who their eyes were wide open, but they were asleep as I graded that test. I've been, I've been, furthermore, I've been preaching for almost 30 years. Come on. And I know sometimes I'm preaching to folks who have got their eyes wide open, but they're just disengaged. I'm glad nobody's like that here. In fact, be honest with you, I preach to some folks who don't even keep their eyes open. They're just letting their eyes shut as I go right on. And I'm like, Lord, thank you. I can bless them. Give them some good snoozing time there. It is possible to be asleep with eyes wide open. I thought about... Um, a few, this happened to me a few, in fact, it's, it's happened to me twice, so that's why I remember it. I was traveling from Falcon, where my office is. Anybody know where Falcon is? You know, that little town uh, on the other side of Sampson County, as soon as you go into Cumberland County, that glory cloud just settles over Falcon. Everybody looking at me like, what you talking about? I'm kidding. We call it the Holy City because it is the place where the head headquarters is of our conference. But I was coming, going from Falcon to Raleigh on one occasion not long ago and on Interstate 95 and I was just cruising along knowing, knowing that I had to get off on Interstate 40. But I was just in my own world. I was enjoying my hardest hamburger and before I knew it I was in Four Oaks and 40 was several miles back. And I've done that twice recently. Because it is possible to be asleep with eyes wide open. And I promise you, I had my eyes open. I was driving. And spiritually speaking, the Bible encourages us to be awake for several reasons. We're, we're to be awake regarding our behavior. You know that? We're people of the light. We're to be sober. We're to be alert. We're to be awake and not do the deeds of the darkness, but to do the deeds of the light. We're to be awake concerning the work of the devil. He is like that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But we're to be on the alert to make sure we don't let him hinder us. We're to be awake concerning the coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? I trust that you are and looking for his coming. But here from the context of this story, the word to the believer as well is to be awake, wake up, be alert, be in tune regarding the harvest. I want to mention three things, three exhortations that keep stirring in me. As I said, I'm talking to you right out of my heart, and I'm not standing up here telling you that I have arrived at this thing. There's many times when, when I've just processed through my daily world and I'm asleep to the harvest, but God is telling us today to be awake, to be awake, to wake up to the harvest. And the first thing that I offer to you that he's saying, and we can pull it from this story is that we're to wake up to the open doors in reaching the harvest. Wake up. Don't miss the open doors that are all around us locally. And I'll say some things about globally as well. The open doors to reaching the harvest. I tell you, I was struck as I was studying this chapter 
recently, or, or actually some time ago, struck again the first part of that story. You know, Jesus had told his disciples we got to go through Samaria, which was an unusual thing. But he's tired. As a man, he's tired. And, and, he, and the, the disciples had gone to town to get food. And he's tired. So like anybody who's tired, you're just going to sit down and take a seat. And he takes a seat at Jacob's well there. And he tells that woman, he said, just bring me something to drink. He, listen, it's, it's such an insignificant act. We know the rest of the story, but just forget all of that. Here is a man who is taking a seat because he's tired and bring me some water, he says. I mean, it's very simple. Nothing really special about it on the surface. But that simple little act was an open door that led Jesus to transform that life. And if you read the rest of the story, uh, one of the greatest revivals ever recorded in Scripture happened because a man sat down at a well and asked a woman for a drink. And that just reminds me that all around us are opportunities to go through the open door to tell people about Jesus. The Lord is stirring me. Uh, you know, I do a, 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 this, this role that, just that I have, these three roles that I have, it puts me in the restaurant a lot. In fact, somebody mentioned to me uh, before the first service, I believe you've gained a little weight. Yes, I've gained a little weight. I've gained a few pounds since I left. Glory to God is good. He's blessed me with that. But I spent a lot of time in restaurants, and the Lord spoke to me some time ago about making sure before you say the blessing, ask that waiter or that waitress if there's something you can pray for him or her about. You know, that's an open door. There's an open door at your place of work. There's people all around you. And I've discovered, I've been in the secular world long enough to discover that some of the folks that make fun of you and criticize you because of your faith in Jesus, you just, you just hang in there. You just, life is going, you know, life has a way of putting you through some tough times. And I guarantee you, they won't go to their worldly friends looking for help. When life starts falling apart, they go look for that, for that saint of God who's been faithful. And God will give you an open door right there at your place of work. There's open doors. If you're in school, there's open doors there with people. If you're in your neighborhood, there's open doors. There's just open doors all around us, and I was reminiscing as I was thinking on this message about the many open doors that God has helped us or has helped you to go through in this ministry, and I couldn't help but think about your pastor. I remember it was 2002, and uh, he came to Christ because people went through the open doors. The, the, the Coley family worked on them a lot. And then we had a men's event. And Gordon Thompson and Lane Sutton showed up at his house and invited him. And then, lo and behold, you know, they had planted some seed and watered it. And, and a few days before he got saved, I saw him out there cleaning up his motorcycle. And uh, I said, I'm going to talk to that young man and I talked to him and we set up an appointment and a few days later was able to lead him to the Lord in his home and that happened because people went through open doors and there's a lot of folks in this ministry that came to Jesus in fact I don't mean to to brag and this is not about me but I remember the first Sunday that I preached as a 
interim pastor here in November 1998. They told me that there were 42 people here. And now you're averaging almost 600 or more in attendance. And it's because people like you and you and you and those that helped me when I was ministering went through the open door. You know, and I... I, I my wife's not here, but in the first service, she was sitting right there and she was doing like this. Because I was, it's hard not for me to crank it up when I think about the open doors. Aren't you, aren't you glad somebody went through an open door for you and you know Jesus as a result of it? Hallelujah. Praise God. Open doors all around us, there's open doors on the mission field. There's open doors. You just be sensitive. I miss it so much. But I thought about that cruise we went on a, a few, and we don't do that much. Don't think we're luxury people or anything like that. In fact, this was a non-Christian cruise, which is a lot cheaper than a Christian cruise. You know why? Because on Christian cruises, they close down the bars and the casinos. That should say something to us Christians. Hey, hey. You know, and there was a lot on that cruise that we couldn't do because there's just some things Christians don't do. I could preach holiness. But I remember getting on the, I told the story about Tiffany. That was Ann's encounter. I remember getting on, I'll tell my story a little bit, getting on the shuttle that, that took us from the car to the ship. And as soon as I get on there, I got to take a few steps and I hear somebody behind me getting on and he says this. He hollers out to the crowd on the bus. He says, are we ready to party? And I'm like, oh, no, this is not like the Christian cruise I'd been on. You know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me to start praying for that man. I started praying for that man. I kept running into him in the unusual situation. Ran into him at a restaurant at an out-of-way place. Ann was with me. And I finally went up to him and I said, I, I, I said, I met him. I met him at one of the other encounters. His name was Mark. And I said, Mark, and he had a couple of buddies with him. I said, I'm praying for you. And I was able to really share the gospel some, and he really wasn't interested in that. The la long story short, the last night before we left, ran into him again, and he stopped me. And this was, I call him Partying Mark. He lives in Concord, North Carolina. And he stopped me. He said, listen, let me ask you. And he puts his head in his hand because there's a harvest all around us. I don't care what the world looks like, you know, it might be to them. They look like they're having a good time. And there was drinking and partying and all kinds of things going on. But in the midst of that, God connected me with a man. He said, keep praying for me. The one who didn't want to hear anything about it. I need you. I need you to keep praying for me. Don't be blind to the open doors. There's open doors all around us. Somebody in your world, God's got you where you are in your world because somebody needs Jesus. And there's open doors on the mission field. I got a slide up there that just gives you just some examples of that. We got open doors for planting churches in Israel and planting churches in the Ukraine and buying bicycles. You can buy a pastor in northern India bicycle for $85. And those guys need it. In fact, if I have time, I'm going to tell a story about one of those pastors before we finish today. Let me, let me just give you this. What you are giving to missions. In, in world missions, I sit on the World Missions Council as well as the denomination. 
And it's not, we're, we're not looking for open doors. That's there. Our leaders come to us and tell us we've got this need and we've got that need. And, 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 and they're all legitimate. But, but you see, they, for instance, last year the appeal was about for a million dollars out of the global outreach offering. And we didn't have even a fourth of that. And so we've got to decide what are we going to do with these funds. The problem is not finding the open door. The problem is having the resources to go through those open doors. And I just assure you, I want to thank the Mount Olive First PH Church. You gave over 51000 last year in every dime. That is the World Missions. In every dime that you have given to World Missions, it has helped us to go through another open door. And I keep getting, thinking about all these stories and by the way, it's, it's noontime. I don't know if that you cut it off. Don't cut me off. I still got a few more minutes. We're planting church. We're in Vietnam. We, just a few months ago, the IPHC went into Vietnam because people are giving to the global outreach offering and people are supporting missionaries. Albert and Jip Gonzalez or our missionaries in Thailand. If you've been around, you may remember him. If Robert Smith was here, he could imitate him. I can't, but he's a, he's an, he's a, Albert is really a fired up guy and doing a great work in Thailand. Well, they've raised up leaders and they were able to do that, do leadership training because of the global outreach offering and uh, went into Vietnam and we are now in Vietnam because you gave and there's open doors. Thank you for helping us get through the open doors because of your missions giving. And let's stay awake to that, okay? Wake up to the open doors. I believe the Lord would want us to hear this as well from the story. Wake up from those obscure distractions. That's those subtle distractions. You know, think just our world can distract us. From reaching the harvest. Two things that I'm going to pull from this that can distract us. There's the church culture can distract us, really, from reaching the harvest. And so can secular culture. And that was going on among these disciples. These disciples are doing a great work. They've gone to get food for their master. They've gone to, they want to take care of Jesus. It's a legitimate ministry that they're doing. And they're talking about him getting his food. He says, I'm not concerned about that. My food's to do the will of the Father who sent me. But I don't want to be too hard on them. It's a little, here's how it hit me. They were taking care, literally, of the body of Christ. And they forgot and couldn't get plugged into the harvest. You know, we can be so consumed about what's happening in church that we forget about the harvest around us. I appreciate the church, appreciate the ministry of the church. I love the church. That's one thing, that's one reason I, I, I miss pastoring because of being so involved with the church, church, church. Let me just put, whatever you do at church, do it with the harvest in mind. I, I remember when I was pastoring here, I had a Lord stirred in me to make sure that you are a church of the Father's welcome. The Father's welcome. The story, the prodigal son, the father who was always looking, looking down the road. Listen, you never know. who A Jeff Dale may show up next Sunday, you know? You, you never know, right? You can't. You did show up. Lost and 
Somebody embraced you to come to Christ. When you're out in the parking lot and thank you, you know, I, I can't tell you how many churches I pull up in our conference don't have anybody to welcome you at the door in the parking lot. But when you're out there, whatever you're doing, whether it's in the parking lot, at the doors, nursery, in the choir, do it with the harvest in mind. It's not about my little kingdom and my little world and we're going to be us four no more. There's a harvest around us we've got to focus on. So don't let the church culture, I mean, and I'm preaching to myself because everything I do is church now. In fact, it, it, this, this, all of this stirring came out of some personal challenges between me and the Lord and I'm evangelism the director and I hear him say this in my spirit not audibly but impressing in my spirit son you're evangelism director how much evangelism are you doing I'm telling you everything I, I get up in the morning it's church I, I you know I, every email it's church every every phone call every meeting it's church I, I mean Church for breakfast, church for lunch, church for supper, and lay down in bed. It's church, 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 church. And I remember as the Lord was challenging me, I was sitting in front of my computer there in the holy city of Falcon in my office, and I read an article where the writer says something about evangelism conversations, and I am convicted, and I say, Lord, forgive me. Give me evangelism conversations Gospel conversations. Pray for, why don't you make that a part of your prayer? Give me gospel conversations. You know, 30 minutes later, there in, in the office, the Holy City office, I had a chance to share the gospel with a young man who was doing some work there. Because the harvest is all around us. We just can't be distracted. And let's not let culture, secular culture, distract us either these guys are in Samaria certainly there's no harvest in Samaria we don't like the Samaritans and they don't like us they being Jews Jesus you told us to go to the lost house of Israel certainly we're in a place where there's no harvest but the greatest revival one of the greatest revivals in the in the, in the scriptures is about to, that's recorded is about to break out in that culture that was no doubt distracting them. And I thought about how the secular culture can distract us and the strife we've got and the problems we've got and the, and, and the, the immorality that's around us. And we just might think there's no harvest. Let me tell you, there's a harvest all around us in the midst of the problems. And I'm not going to get political this morning. And, and I'm just going to say it this way. We've got an immigration problem. We do. But, and there's two sides to how to solve it. It needs to be solved. I'm not here to take sides on that. I'm just going to tell you, in the midst of an immigration problem, there's a harvest. Let me just tell you that. I advocate safe borders and all of that. But in the midst of all of that, there's a harvest. I remember some time ago we were up in uh, the Hickory area where our son, Matt, serves on staff at one of our churches up there. And this was before they moved to the house that they're in now. And they were in the apartment complex. And come to find out that the best friends of our two grandsons that had the relationship that they had developed there were Muslim children. Three Muslim families in all those different apartment com apartments in that complex. Three Muslim families. And out of all the families there, my grandsons are friends with the children in those families. Well, I got to thinking about that. I don't know if I like that or not. That's, that's a little, what if they try to pull them over their way? 
And so we were looking after the, uh, their mom and dad were off, and we stayed there a few days, and, and they played with the kids, and that was fine. I didn't keep them from playing with them. It, was, it would, would have been hard to do that because our grandson, Landon, he loves toasted uh, cheese uh, sandwiches, and um, one of those moms, she knew that. Then she, would, she, she fed him regularly. For, that might have had something to do with him becoming good friends, right? But I remember one evening, still light, and they're riding their bicycles, and Abbas, that's his name, Abbas, and our youngest grandson are playing together. And I'm thinking, oh, what, about, what about this? The Holy Spirit quickens me. You need to pray for a boss right now in his family. And I don't mean to make any more out of this than what it was, but I put a praying on that child. I mean subtly, you know, discreetly, silently. And I prayed. I said, Lord, you just put a mark of Jesus on that boy, and may he take it back to his home. And, you know, the way I looked, I would have never had a chance to pray over that young man if the things were happening in our culture that I really may not understand and even appreciate. Here's what I'm telling you today. There's a harvest in the culture no matter how crazy it might get. And one of the challenges that we have that no other culture has, that is we in the United States, and the Lord just impressed on me some time ago, every Christian, every church, Every part, segment of the kingdom of God faces some kind of cultural challenge. For many believers in our day, it's, it's uh, harsh persecution. For some, it's a lack of resources, poverty. For others, it's, uh, it, it's heavy um, witchcraft and, and the opposition of the forces of darkness in a real strange way. You know what I believe is the, the challenge of the culture in the United States is our prosperity. The burden that we carry as the church in the United States is our prosperity. We are blessed so far greater than other cultures and countries throughout the world. To whom much is given, much is required. And the resources that we have available to us, God is just calling us today. And thank you, Pastor Jeff. And thank you, local missions director, Miss Meg Jackson, for having an all-in mission Sunday because there's an understanding in this ministry that we're blessed and we're to be good stewards of those blessings and reaching those around the world. And there's so many anecdotal statistics that are out there that relate to our prosperity. Let me, let me throw one out. Any, we got any pet owners here? Any dog, cat lovers? Maybe you got fish. Or, you got a lot of folks. We, I, I got a, we got a 13-year-old toy poodle. Uh, some of you have been with me a while. Anybody remember that dog's name? Yeah, you remember Tucker. He's still with us. And I love Tucker. Not as much as my wife does. He loves her more than he does me. So, you know, it goes both ways there. You know what I heard? In 2011, I read this. In 2011, I'm talking about the burden of our culture. 2011, people in the United States spent more on Halloween costumes for their pets. I've never bought 
Tucker, what, what would you dress up a dog as, you know? <laughs> Spent more for their Halloween costumes for their pets than was given to missions. Amen. Help us, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Be good stewards. You're blessed. I know we all go through tough times. I've been there. But I know you can give your way out of it as well. Let's not be distracted, whether it's church culture, secular culture, and wake up. One more thing. Wake up to the joy, the abundant delight. You know, we preachers like to make things sound similar. So wake up to the abundant delight in reaching the harvest. If you're, if you're uh, uh, miserable in serving the Lord, I challenge you to tell somebody about Jesus. That'll stir your joy bowl. In fact, the most miserable churches and frustrating churches that we deal with in this conference, and I could say that across the board in, denomination, in denominations, are those who have forgotten there's a harvest out there. Give me a church, give me a Christian, give me a preacher who is interested in reaching the harvest and I'll tell you somebody that's full of joy. Harvest time. Any farmer will tell you this, harvest time is the happiest time when you're dealing with the crop. You've, you've reached the point where your seed has, has come to fruition. Your investment is paid off. I was talking, you know, we have a lot of Hispanic churches in our conference, and I was talking to one of them the other day. He said, yeah, my farmer is so happy when we're out there working ourselves to death, bringing in the harvest. Harvest time is the happiest time, and so it is in ministry as well. Harvesting, reaching the harvest is the heart of the Father. He's not willing that any should perish but that all come to everlasting life. It's the mission of Christ. I've come, he said, to seek and to save that which was lost. And he fills us with his spirit, not just for our enjoyment, but for our employment as well to work with Christ. There's joy because you push back the forces of evil. You shake the devil off when you tell somebody about Jesus. And there's joy because of how it affects heaven. Jesus said when one comes home, there's rejoicing in heaven, and there's going to be joy in heaven for you when you get there and realize that you helped somebody make it there as well. And there's going to be people that you're going to bless today through your giving that are going to be touched indirectly, and you're going to run into them in heaven. And God, he's a, you know, he's a record-keeping God. He records and he rewards, and he's going to reward you for the least that you did in bringing souls to him. And I want to make sure that when I leave this world and I make it to heaven, anybody going to heaven and you're glad about it, I want to make sure that when I get there that I've helped somebody else go. There's joy. There's joy. You saw on the screen a while ago, you, for $85 you can buy a bicycle for one of those pastors in India. You know why he needs a bicycle? Because the only way they get around is Pat and Charlie. One more story, and I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Jeff. Bishop Michael John doing a tremendous job in, as bishop in our church, International Pentecostal Holiness Church in northern India. His goal is to plant 1,000 house churches by the year 2020. 
And he's already up about eight or 900. He's doing a tremendous job in spite of the, the adversity there. But he told us that just a, a couple of months ago that he encountered one of their pastors that they have never met. He was a young man, barely, barely out of the teen years. And they were so thrilled to meet him because he had already planted four churches since August. Since August, he had been from walking, walking from village to village to village. He's one that we were able to bless with a bicycle so he can get around more easily. Planted four churches, four churches since August. And I'm trying my best to get a handful of churches planted out of this conference. And this guy planted four churches since August. You're with me, right? And they started in, nobody had ever heard of him. He had not been commissioned by the leadership. And they started inquiring of him, what, you know, what's going on here? Plan, he, he said, well, um, uh, you know, he'd been from town to town planting churches. And they found out, in the, without delaying any further, they found out that he had gotten saved in August, baptized in August. He had, he had the equivalent of about a third grade education. He doesn't know hardly, he knows hardly anything about the Bible. How in the world are you able to plant churches without any training, without any education? And here's what he said. He said, because of what Jesus has done for me, I'm so full of joy that I can't keep it to myself and I just go around telling the people about the joy that I have and what the Lord has done for me. And out of that, he's planting churches. So God give us joy, amen. And if we get about his business, 